Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I know it's uh, Labor Day, but just really feel like we need to make sure that we recalibrate some things. Get our eyes on the right things. Somebody say right things. We need to get our eyes on the right things. And so before we do that, I know it's Labor Day. And uh, some of you guys get Monday off. Some of you guys have to work on Monday. Sorry if you have to work. But the whole point of Labor Day is to celebrate the fact that we go to work and then, and then that we just kind of get this day of rest, I guess you could call it. And so I want to talk about rest before we get into vision real quickly. If I ask show of hands, how many of you guys could use some rest? How many of you guys could use some rest out there? Okay. Lots of hands up there in the room. I, I want you to know that I showed up this morning and I was beat. I was dog tired. And I'll tell you why. Our air conditioning went out on Friday. I, I want the sympathy, thank you. And uh, we, we left town on, on Friday night, and then Christy and I came back uh, last night thinking if we come back late, you know, it'll be nice and cool in the house. We got in the house, it was 94 degrees in our house, all right? Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, like, I like it cold in my house. Anybody like it cold in your house? So 94 degrees was, was brutal. And so we're sitting there and we're sweating like crazy and we didn't even like really know what to do. And you know how you're always trying to find some biblical character to identify with when you're going through pain and agony? I felt like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right? <laughs> I felt like I was in the furnace, okay? And I know Jesus was in the room, but he didn't take me out. I'm just saying. He, he didn't take me out. And so we were sweating this thing out. And, and, and so I was like, let's just try to go to sleep. Let's try to go to sleep. So we, we laid down, and I was like, I felt like I had been asleep for four hours, but it was only four minutes. That's how horrible it was. And then Trinity comes in right when I'm almost asleep. Trinity comes in, and she climbs in between us, and she does that little four-year-old thing where she rolls over, and she slaps me in the face on accident. And then I identify with Job. I'm like, God, you are scorning me right now. You're scorning me. It was horrible trying to sleep last night and find rest, but I'll tell you something, church. God showed me something. I woke up this morning. I was tired, and he said, Aaron, you'll never find rest in your bed, but you will find rest in me. Amen? You see, I want to I share something about rest on this Labor Day that I think is important because we'll never enter into God's vision if we cannot first enter into God's rest. We'll never enter into God's vision for us if we can't first enter into God's rest. Hebrews 4, 3 talks about the rest of God, and it talks about how God created this rest, and the people in disobedience didn't get to enter in. But in verse 5, picking up, he says, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my rest, uh, my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter it because they disobeyed God. But look at this verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Somebody say today. Somebody needs to know that today you get to enter into God's rest because God's rest is not a place. God's rest is a person. Amen? And the rest of God is Jesus Christ. We get to enter into Jesus Christ, and we simply get to rest in him. I love my house. I love to go home. I've got my special pillow that's like ultra thin. Any thin pillowed people out there? You guys are strong believers. I'm just saying. I've got my side of the bed. Anybody have to have their side of the bed? Every hand should go up in this room, right? I've got my box fan that blows on me and my phone that I have the white noise on. Anybody out there like that? 
I love you guys, all right? All of those things are built so that I can try to come home and find rest when I lay down. But the reality of those things is that they never last. They never actually last. They're never really fulfilling. I can come home and I can find rest, but sometimes it's still chaotic. And the reason is, is that we were never to find rest in a place. We were always to find rest in a person. Matt Chandler had a word that I listened to on a little clip somebody sent me where he said, how do I know this to be true? He says, because when you go on vacation and come back, what do we always say? I need a vacation from my He's like, you've been on the beach all week long, and you come back from the beach, and you're like, man, I am so tired, right? Or what, you go on vacation, you know that you've never, we're never supposed to find rest in a place, because he said, no matter what, you go on vacation, you come back, and you still feel tired, tired. The only true rest is found in Jesus. I love how Graham Cook puts it in his book, Crafting Prayer. He said, true rest is when we go into the Holy of Holies and we encounter Jesus. He said, when we go into the Holy of Holies and encounter Jesus, the devil won't follow us in there because he knows who he will encounter in there. And he doesn't want to contend with him. <laughs> if you want rest in life, if you feel like, man, you've just been laboring and going after it, you just feel beat down by life, I just want to encourage you today on this Labor Day to find rest in, in Jesus. And I say all of that, church, because before we can have fresh vision, we have to have fresh rest. And some of us, I feel like, are running on empty in here. We're, just, we're going, but we're just running on fumes. And so we can't dream, we can't move on empty. Listen to me. We can't dream and we can't move on empty. We can ask for fresh vision. We can't ask for fresh vision if we are living on yesterday's rest. What I mean by that is if you're living on yesterday's experience with Jesus, today he has a new experience for you. And when you find that new experience in him today and you rest in him today, I believe with all of my heart that there's new vision that he wants to pour out on his people um, today. So, so that's really kind of our starting point because I believe that what we're talking about today and just kind of recalibrating our vision is that vision is important. Amen? If you are in any kind of, whether it's marriage or, 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 or business or you work anywhere, you've got family, you've got friends or whatever it is, doesn't matter in life. In everything in life, you need some vision in life. You need some purpose in life. Vision is important, but right vision is important. Somebody say right vision. Let me tell you why I say right vision, because we can have our eyes open and not have it on the right thing, okay? I love to look up those stupid YouTube videos where people are watching their phones and they run into poles, right? Or they're watching their phones and they go into the fountains or whatever they do. I love to watch those because their eyes are open, it's just that their eyes are on the wrong vision. Their eyes are on the wrong thing. Their eyes are on the wrong prize. And so today when we talk about vision, I want you to know that, that our heartbeat is to put our eyes on the right thing and not the wrong thing. And so just real quickly, I'm just going to kind of recap what I feel like the Lord wants to do for us today. Um, we start with God's vision first in everything that we do, not our vision. Amen? Scripture says in Proverbs that many are the plans of man, but it's the plans of God that prosper. So before anything else, we believe that our vision has to be the vision of God. Because if the vision of God lines up with our vision, then we know it's going to be successful. And it's not because of anything that we'll do. But if our vision does not line up with God, then we know it's going to be a catastrophe and we're going to wonder why we're always striving and struggling. Amen, church? And the same thing can be said of your own life. 
If you're ever just striving and struggling and going, man, I just really felt like this was supposed to be it, go back and ask the Lord, Lord, is this the path that you wanted me on? Because when your vision lines up with God's vision, it does not mean it's not going to be difficult. And it does not mean that it's not going to be trials. It just simply means that in those things, God's the one that's going to carry you through in that vision. And so as we talk about this, what we want to go after today is develop a vision that's first based on God's vision. So if you guys have your Bibles, Matthew 6, 25. Um, you know this probably if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount. We've studied this before in here. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 25. Uh, Jesus is telling, talking about the Sermon on the Mount. He says this in this portion. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Somebody needs to underline that today. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Skip it on verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So here he is talking about life and how we struggle and how we're striving and why are we so worried about all those things and then he jumps down to verse 33 and he says maybe something so profound that we miss it he says but instead of worrying about all those things instead of worrying about what you're going to eat and drink and wear what you're going to do what your successes are all those things he says in verse 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all of these things will be given to you as well amen church you see, it's all about setting our priorities on the right thing first. It's all about getting our vision on the right thing first. And when our vision is on the things of God, then everything else is going to come as well. But sometimes what we do is we set our priorities and our vision on everything else in life. And then once we try to secure those things, then we go back and we ask God, okay, God, what's your vision now? And we wonder why we keep butting our heads against the wall. So Jesus is trying to say something profound here. Why are you worried about your life, the things in your life, clothes, food, shelter, things we've strived to attain, things we've, we've strived to have vision for, success, stature, whatever it is. Why have we strived for all those things and, and, and all those things have kind of consumed our life when at the end of the day it's all about his kingdom? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, it really comes down to do you believe that? Do you believe that God's promises are true? So this is one of those things where in your mind and in your heart and in faith, God's trying to increase faith. And what he's trying to say is you read that, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. And there's something inside of you that's warring. Do I really believe all these things will be given to me? Or do I believe that I have to seek after those things first? So maybe the issue in my life, maybe the issue in our life isn't so much that we're running the wrong course, but we're simply not putting first things first. Amen, church? In our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our family's lives. And so just to recalibrate, and we've talked about this before over and over and over in here, just to recalibrate something that we've discussed in here, I want to clarify something. Nowhere in Scripture will you ever read, seek first the kingdom of God in your personal life, but in your professional life, just go do your thing, right? You be you. 
You'll never read where God separates things out and says, here's your personal life. Seek first the kingdom in your personal life. But in your professional life, just do you. You just do you. Doesn't really matter what you do. But the minute you leave that place, man, seek first the kingdom. You see, God's not about that. He's never been about separation in those two things. He's never been about separating things out in our life. It's always been about his vision first in every part of your life. Nowhere does it say seek first the kingdom of God on Sunday mornings and Monday through Saturday, you do you. You see, that's why the church has missed it, I think, so many times. That's why the church has missed it, because somehow we've resonated that Sunday mornings belong to God, Monday through Saturday belongs to me. Somebody say me. That was a little muffled, right? We've resonated with this. We've thought about this. We've separated our life. But when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's talking about in every aspect of your life. And so I was listening to what is this kingdom of God? What are we talking about? When we talk about the kingdom of God, I was listening to a teaching on this. And I thought I had some good points. And I just want to share a couple of these. For us to seek the kingdom of God, listen to this church. For us to seek the kingdom of God, we have to first seek the king. Amen? A kingdom has a king, which is why it's called a kingdom. The kingdom does not operate without the king. So when we seek the kingdom of God, the first thing that we have to know is we have to first seek the king. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. The Christian life is more than just accepting Jesus. It's seeking after Jesus. Amen? The Christian life is not a passively accepting Jesus. It's an actively seeking after him. I've used this analogy in here before. I'm going to use it again. I love the game of tag, right? But no one in the game of tag sets it up and says, let me tell you what, in theory, I, or hide and seek, in theory, I understand the game of hide and seek. And, and so you, you say, hey, you want to play hide and seek? You say, yeah, let's play hide and seek. And I say, I get it in theory. You go hide, and that person goes off and hides, and you go sit on the couch, right? That's a stupid game that nobody wants to play. In theory, I get it. You said I was supposed to come and find you. I got it in theory. I'm going to sit on the couch. You're hiding, and it doesn't make a game of hide and go seek. And so at the end of the day, it's the same thing when it comes to Jesus. We can't say, in theory, I understand that I've accepted Jesus in my life, but I'm not going to pursue him. You see, church, here's the thing. We don't say, in theory, I'll accept Jesus. We actively seek him. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and find me. Somebody say, find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God is not hiding, trying to hide out from you. God desires for you to seek after him. He just wants our hearts in it. Let me just break this down for why this is so important. Because the word that he's using when he talks about seek, seek first the kingdom, the word that he's talking about is a verb. It's an active verb. It's not a thought. Seeking is defined as an attempt to find something. We're actively seeking. We're attempting to find something. And the beautiful thing about it is from the promise of Jeremiah 29 there is that when we seek after the Lord, we will find him. And it's a present tense verb. It's not a past tense verb. It means continuously. We don't say, look, when I was 10, I sought after the Lord, I found him at 10, and then from that point on, I just kind of did my thing. It's an everyday stirring of your heart, every day of your life, you're seeking after the kingdom of God in your life. So first and foremost, I just want you to get that. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's all about the king first, okay? 
Number two, though, once we seek the king, once we seek the king, the kingdom becomes our passion. Somebody say passion. The things that drive us in life is the things that are happening in the king's kingdom. The beautiful thing about Jesus when he walked on planet earth is that when Jesus walked on planet earth, you saw God step down in the form of Jesus Christ and he brought all the things of heaven with him. He brought healing and restoration and redemption. He set the prisoners free. I mean, it was a beautiful picture of heaven on earth. And then Jesus ascends up, leaves the Holy Spirit and says, go and do likewise. And what we do with that is we gather together on a Sunday morning, we call it church. See what I'm saying? Come on now, amen? So what I'm saying here, church, is that all of the sudden, when we've sought the king of the kingdom, and we find Jesus Christ, and we find an intimate relationship with him, then our passion should become his kingdom. Our passion should become the things of heaven on earth. It should become our passion. It should become what drives us. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek the rule and the reign of God in our lives. When we seek after the king and live in his rule and reign, you are living and seeking a few things. Number one, you are seeking the king's glory and not your own. Can I just tell you, man, every part of our life, from the moment of life, from every opportunity you take is to bring God glory. Everything that you do, every breath that you take is to bring God glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us that. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We're not in it for us. We're in it for him. But not only is that what it does where we're seeking the king's glory, we are also seeking after the will. Somebody say the will. The will of the king. What I want is what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants is what I want. Man, I want to be so in tune with him that I know what Jesus wants from me, and, and, and that's my desire. His will is what I want. And so I just want to do some recalibrating in our hearts today. If, if you've ever watched a movie uh, where there's a king, the people always come to the king and they say, what is the will of my king? That's what their desire is. My desire is to please the king. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. My desire is to please Jesus. But when I'm pleasing Jesus, he grants me the desires of my heart. Amen. And so it's this beautiful thing, man, where God is like about granting me the desires of my heart because I'm all about his heart. And so it's this beautiful trade-off. Like, I want your heart, and God's like, that's so beautiful, so I'll grant you the desires of my heart. It's a cool thing when that happens. Let me tell you why this is so important for us. Because there's some things that I believe that in our vision that God's been kind of speaking over. I'm just going to, if this is your first time here, you're a guest, you're a visitor, we're just going to talk house for just a minute, okay? We believe that God is stirring up new vision for us right now. From outside of the church, we've had people that have spoken in different dreams and visions for us and just what they see for Reliance Community Church and just kind of the portion of what God is doing in our lives. And it's been so cool. And so we've been praying into this thing and we've been saying, God, what is it that you want to do? And I just want to share kind of three areas if we prayed into the will of God. See, if we pray into the will of God and we say, God, what's your vision first? We want to seek your kingdom first. We believe that these things are a part of his kingdom. And so we believe these things are the vision for Reliance Community Church. I'm gonna start here on verse one, or on number one. Number one, we believe that part of the vision for us as a church is to destroy the works of the devil, amen? 
to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Let me tell you what that means then for us then. What does that look like vision-wise for us? It means that when people come through these doors, not on Sunday only, but on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one of our number one goals is that we speak identity into them. You see, we believe that God is stirring our hearts right now so that people will know that they are sons and daughters of the living King. We believe strongly that one of the, the, the vision things that God has given us, one of the things that God has put on our heart is that we would have a vision for identity in people's lives. Because destroying the works of the devil is that the devil wants everybody to live in shame and guilt and condemnation like you're never going to be good enough. And so we want to destroy that by speaking identity as sons and daughters into their life. Amen, church. This is our desire. This is what we want. So we're gonna speak identity. We're gonna speak what it means to be sons and daughters. We're gonna hammer that in until it becomes from the out of the overflow of what you've heard so many times that when you leave these doors, it literally gushes out of you. Number two, not only do we wanna destroy the works of the devil, we wanna set the captives free. Somebody say, set the captives free. We want to show the lost and the broken their value and wholeness. L listen, Luke 4, 18 Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let me tell you what that looks like on a practical level. So we're all about identity, and we believe that God is stirring this desire for healings. Amen? We believe that God is stirring this desire within us for deliverance. All of a the sudden, these doors have begun to open up, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, where people have been coming in that are broken, that are wounded, that are hurting, that are struggling, marriages that are fractured, people in addiction, all sorts of things coming through the doors. And we feel like the Lord is saying, the vision that I have for you is that you will set the captives free in me. You're going to pray for people, they're going to be healed. You're going to pray for people, you're going to see deliverance. And so what that's stirring within us is to build this kind of this prayer shield around us, amen? And so we're just increasing prayer. You're going to start seeing this over the next few weeks. We're going to have teams of prayer people up here where you can come and be prayed over, and we're just going to unleash that mantle that God's putting on us, amen? We're excited about it. And then number three, real quickly. Destroy the works of the devil, set the captives free. And number three, we just, we feel this strongly, that, and it's just simple, that all would know him. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but there's people in this world that don't know Jesus, amen? That all would know him. Let me, let me share Romans 10, 13 through 15. This has come up numerous times. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them and being sent? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Church, let me just tell you something. There is a strong, strong desire in us to where we all become evangelists for the King of Kings. Amen? We've had people from all over sharing with us dreams and visions of revival breaking forth. And I'm not talking about, hey, come Tuesday night for revival service, all right? 
I'm not talking about a service. I'm saying that in the hearts of people, there's revival happening. Where there was once something dead inside of us, God is restoring a newness. He's reviving something within us. There's new hope. There's new joy. There's new peace. And it wants to break out for the world. Amen? It wants to break out for the world. And so he's reviving these things within us. He's stirring up intimacy. You've heard us say this over and over. We're desiring more intimacy with the King of Kings. And so things that we've talked about, we want to begin to make sure that Sunday mornings are about equipping you guys, making sure that you know what it means to go out and share this hope of Jesus that's inside of you. This is what church is supposed to be about, not a Sunday morning experience. We were supposed to be the church, amen? And it's time that we reclaim that. It's time that we go back after that again. And I know some of you guys that are in here and you're like, I was just supposed to come to a service today and just, you know, get a feel good, right? Look, we're all about you feeling good, just feeling good in Jesus and sharing it with somebody, okay? What we desire, man, if we, we're not about building bigger buildings. That's not our end game. We don't want to build bigger buildings. We're not about doing things where it's all for our own stuff. What we want is we want to build the church to go out and build the biggest building called the body of Christ outside these walls. That's what our desire is. And so it's not that we don't love Sunday mornings. It's not that we don't love Wednesday nights or, or whatever it is that we're doing. We're still going to pour into those things. But what we're saying is if it's not changing us, then we're not doing the right things. Amen? We're not seeking the kingdom of God first. We're seeking our own kingdom first if it's not changing us. We're not after filling chairs. We're after filling hearts. And then out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Amen? We want it to come from with you. What we desire more than anything else, and I say we because this is not a personal thing. This is all of us here as a family. What we desire is that you become the greatest living testimony of Jesus Christ. What we desire is what Scripture says, that when you walk like the disciples walked, it says that the people recognized that these men had been with Jesus. We want people to see you walking down the streets, and they go, those folks have been with Jesus. Amen. See, church, this is what the vision is for. This is what we feel like the Lord's been speaking into us. We've got families that are here that, are, that, that, that just come and they join us. I think of the pulsers. I'm just going to call you guys out real quick. Um, they are awesome, and, and he comes over, Brian comes over every Tuesday, and he prays with us because he's not even really connected in terms of call, calling this home. He says, I'm connected with you because we're all the church together. Amen, Brian? And, and, and God gives him these visions and dreams. It's just awesome. He's praying, and he's like, God is doing something here. The man lives all the way out in Andover, all right? He has no, he's like, this is a new territory for him. But he's coming because he's saying, I feel like the Lord is stirring something in here. And it's not for bigger building, it's for influence in the city. That God is stirring up the word influence. That he's going, man, if you would just believe what my word says, if you would just trust that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all of these things would be given unto you. This is what church was supposed to be about. And we've turned it into buildings and we've turned it into timelines. Church is 1045, church is 9 o'clock. No, church is every single day that I get up and get to breathe. That's what church is. And so what does this mean? It means that, look, it means that things around here, our desire is that things around here would change. I'm not saying change like, oh, is there going to be drastic change? No, we're still going to gather, we're still going to worship, we're still going to go after it. But we are believing that God is calling his church to not just play the game but to truly believe what the word says and seek after Jesus and do something with this inside. 
There's a second part to that real quick, and I'm going to close out. Band, you guys can come on up. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Somebody say, his righteousness. Let me just tell you right now, the pressure is off of you. If any of you guys were out there going, man, I feel so much pressure now, just breathe for a minute. Just breathe, okay? There's no pressure. Seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me tell you what that means. God is not interested in what you can do for him. Listen to me. God is not interested in what you can do for him. God is interested in what he can do through you. (laughs) Because if it's all about what you can do for him, it's somehow like, man, God needs me. He just can't do it without me. God is more interested in you realizing that he wants to use you for big things. He wants to breathe through you and move through you and do things where you're setting the captives free. He wants to use you to destroy the works of the devil. And he wants to use you to open your mouth so that people can hear about the hope of why you're here today. This is it. And so we're, we're rallying the troops. If you're like, are you trying to rally us? Yes, I'm trying to rally you guys. I want our restaurants on the west side of town or east side of town or wherever you come from in Midtown to be so flooded with the love of God today. They said, what happened on Labor Day 2018? And it it can happen. It's just what's inside of you is coming out. Jesus is birthing something, church. Do you feel it? And if you feel it, let's do something with it. We don't want to play church as usual anymore. We want to be the church. So this vision that we're talking about, some of you guys are going, man, we've heard this vision, right? Maybe we've shared it over the years. Maybe you've said we've heard these things before. Okay, we don't want to just hear them any longer. We want to do them. So I'm asking you guys to partner with us. Let's be the church, not a church. Let's be the church that turns this world upside down. Amen. So let, me, so let me just pray for you guys today. We'll close out with this last song and then we'll go and you enjoy your Labor Day. But you enjoy your Labor Day with vision this time. Father God, I thank you for every person in this room. God, before we can destroy the works of the devil, God, before we can set the captives free, God, before we can share about your goodness, we first need to know about that goodness in our own life. God, before we can do those things, we need to be set free, Father. We need to know that the works of the devil have been destroyed in our own life. And so, God, from the overflow of what's happening in us, I pray that it would spill out. God, there's somebody out there today that's buying into a lie right here in this moment. Man, because of what I do in the secret, there's no way I can do this. And so, God, I pray that you would show them that whatever it is that they're doing in the secret right now can be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray right now, God, that you begin to set captives free in this very room, that you begin to destroy the works of the devil, especially when it comes to identity in this room right now, that you would reveal to every heart in here that they are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And today, God, I pray that you would put in our hearts the hope of Jesus Christ, that the world will know who you are because the church is ready to rise up out of the ashes. We love you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.